And welcome back. We talked a few minutes ago about that UAW strike, day 18 of the strike. And as expected, we've been watching this now roll out for the last uh, couple of weeks. There, The strike has expanded. Two more assembly plants joined the walkout uh, on Friday. So let's get the very latest on what's happening at the negotiating table. If we can get any sense of what's happening there, it seems like very little is coming out from that table. Jordan Gresluski joining us from uh, Auto and Business Reporter for the Detroit News. Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, precious little uh, substantive information has been coming out of these negotiations. So we're having to rely on what the UAW president is saying in his sometimes uh, shall we say frosty videos? And then last week we heard from Ford CEO Jim Farley, who made his case that Ford was bargaining in good faith. It was the UAW that was holding things up. He even suggested that the way the strike was rolling out may have been, he, I think he used the word predetermined. What did you think of, uh, what Jim Farley had to say late last week? Yeah, I think, first of all, it was very remarkable in the sense that, you know, it's my understanding that in previous rounds of negotiations, you do not have this rhetoric yep. happening in the public sphere. Um, the UAW obviously has been very, um, you know, vocal and public about its demands and its position. But so far, the auto companies have, I would say, largely been pretty quiet. And last week, we really saw that shift with Jim Farley holding a news conference on Friday where he said that, he claims that the UAW is holding a deal hostage over um, mm-hmm. talks over representation at battery plants. And then you had GM CEO Mary Vera also come out with a pretty pointed letter where she said that it does not appear the UAW has real intent to get to an agreement. So pretty remarkable that they are saying these things publicly. Uh, let's go back to the battery plants for just a second, and maybe you could shed some light on this. Um, the, the whole issue of the battery plants, um, are a little bit of a wild car card because a lot of these battery plants, which in fact have not yet been built, am I, am I understanding this correctly? They can't legally be included in the current talks because they're joint venture facilities. So I'm not sure how this is really playing into the talks. Yeah, that is a great question. And I think there was definitely some surprise when Jim Farley made those remarks last week. He said that, you know, a key sticking point has been the UAW attempting to, um, he didn't really get into specifics and kind of said, ask the UAW about it, but he said that they are essentially attempting to get Ford's U.S. battery plants included in the national agreement between the UAW and Ford. He did say, you know, it's fine to talk about these things at the bargaining table while at the same time pointing out these plans don't exist yet. Three of them are joint venture plans. And I do think that, you know, it does raise some questions about, you know, how that would work, given that they are not owned by Ford. Uh, And I it is true that in the past, when you talked about this, these kinds of discussions not happening in the public sphere uh, is very true. We've all been talking about that. A lot of questions also have been come up coming up in the past. We did get some inkling about what was happening at the bargaining table what is your sense are you getting uh, anything about what's actually happening at the negotiate negotiating table i mean we're seeing all these theatrics out here but what do we know is actually happening at the table 
Well, I think that, you know, all sides have pretty firmly characterized it as, you know, negotiations are continuing. They're not at an impasse. Talks have not broken down. Even if there's not formal bargaining sessions happening, there are, you know, sidebar conversations or discussions of some of some kind happening pretty much 24-7. Wow. Um, you know, we checked in with the companies today. The, their line was kind of negotiations continue I'm sure that after the, um, you know, the strike expanded on Friday and Farley and Barra had those, you know, kind of sharp words, I'm guessing that emotions were running high and maybe a little um, cooling off period was needed over the weekend. But, you know, I, I think they've all characterized it as talks are still very, very active. Um, so that, that's what we're hearing. And also in the uh, uh, Ford press conference with Jim Farley, they had a team, some people from the management team who were there. And it was great to hear from them, too, to kind of offer some insight into some of these uh, specialized uh, themes that they were talking about. But one uh, one thing that was brought up and I and I isolated this cut of audio and I'd like to play it for you and our audience, um, the the member of the management team who dealt with the finances talked about the offer that was on the table and specifically what was being offered to workers in terms of their, because, you know, the workers had wanted this defined pension plan and they were Jim Farley talking about, look, you know, fortune 500 companies have by and large moved away from that. There's only a small, small percentage that actually do that anymore. We want a pension plan of the future. And this is how uh, one of the uh, Ford management team described this. The plan that we have on the table and the increase in the offers of our contributions into that plan are significant. If you join Ford Motor Company today with that contract in 30 years, with a reasonable return on those monies in the market and an average contribution by the employee consistent with what our employees are contributing today, after 30 years, your 401k would be worth a million dollars. And that's a million dollars the employee owns. It's flexible. It's portable. It's their money. So when I heard that, I thought to myself, um, they, I, I'm sure they wanted to put that out there because a lot of people who heard that may have thought, I don't have a million dollars in my retirement count. I don't know that I ever will have a million dollars. So that was part of strategy, too, is to bring that into into play. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And again, I do think it's remarkable that you have the you know CFO of Ford out here saying, you know, pretty publicly detailing some aspects of their offer to the UAW. Um, and I do think that some of the things related to retirement are really going to be some of the things that potentially hold up a deal because the UAW has continued to insist that it wants to see workers get um, defined benefit pensions back. Um, you know, and when Farley made these comments on Friday, uh, Sean Fain's response was to say, actually, we're far apart on retirement security. We're mm -hmm. far apart on post-retirement health care. And those are things that, you know, if you talk to analysts, um, you know, in the automotive sector or, you know, Wall Street analysts, they are very quick to say that those are the kinds of things that the companies will be very, very, very reluctant to agree to. What about this whole um, idea, this idea that's out there that the auto companies are making record profits? And Mary Barra said that not, not la last week, but the week before she had said, look, um, yeah, we're we're doing well, but we also, you know, my my compensation is tied to what is happening, the, you know, the work that I do and how well we're doing. So, you know, they're trying to get this theme out there that even though, yes, they're making 
profits and they're making good money it you know a lot of a lot of money is being invested into battery plants and their compensation is tied to performance like everyone's they're arguing should be so do you think that that's resonating with the public I I think that that is one of the most probably compelling narratives that the UAW has managed to bring into this conversation. You know, so far from the polling that we've seen, the public is pretty, um, you know, solidly on the side of the union at this stage. That could always change depending on how the strike progresses. But um, I do think that they are getting at, you know, themes of inequality and pay disparity. Over the last few decades, we've seen, you know, this kind of huge gap emerge between what CEOs at the top make compared to their average worker. And I do think that that's a pretty effective um, line that the UAW has, um, you know, inserted into this. Do you think workers are, I heard this the other day, workers are having a moment. Uh, We're looking at the strike that's uh, happening in Hollywood with, first of all, the writers who have settled, but the actors are still out. And that has been a very public uh, work stoppage. Uh, We're looking at the three casinos here in town also maybe going out. Do you think that labor's having a moment now that that they can make some headway in terms of their compensation and their futures? Unquestionably. Um, I think we're in kind of a historic moment for the labor movement and for workers. I just saw a headline the other day that said, you know, we need to stop calling it the summer of the strike because all signs point to it really being the year of the strike. There have been, um, you know, a number of work stoppages across the country this year, like you said, in all different sectors. And I think that the UAW is, you know, A, at the forefront of that and B, you know, trying to use that leverage because it considers this to be kind of its moment, its time to um, take advantage of those dynamics. And I'm always wondering how the public, how our listeners, how your readers are receiving this type of action, this kind of work stoppage, because, you know, in in the past, there's been a lot of hostility towards people that would go out on strike or in particular auto workers because they always appeared or had this idea that they had great compensation packages. And I heard I saw an interview with somebody on the strike line who um, had been with the company for a very in fact, it was a Ford worker. Somebody had been there for a very, very long time and had been through several work, um, uh, several strikes. And he he said that what was different about the strike this time was the public support in that while they're out there marching, so many people are honking at them. And I know that that's not, uh, you know, that's not a scientific measure of public support for anything, but it does mean something. Yeah, like I said, I think so far the public is on the side of the union in the strike. Um, we, there's polling out there that shows that. Um, you know, if that will continue to be the case, we'll see. But I do think um, for now that's the case. And I think that there's, as you said, this broader, um, you know, labor movement momentum that is resonating with a lot of people in the U.S. Jordan Gresluski, we want to thank you so much for joining us today with the Detroit News Auto and Business Reporter. I think you're going to be on this story for a while. I just seem to think that that uh, you're you're going to be assigned to this for a few more weeks, and we'd love to hear from you again. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you for joining us here on Focus. We'll continue after the break.